1: here in dallas after quite an adventure to get here
2: jimbo we have had a few plane trips a few hotel stays a couple of shuttle rides and you know some good meals recently here in dallas i mean
1: maybe other than the meals i don't know that anything has gone the way it was supposed to go <laughs> no <laughs> i mean like down to like the smallest little piece like nothing has gone the way it was actually supposed to go
2: Right, so where, I can't even remember, where did this all start for us, where did we, so I think I started my road trip back in um, Springfield, Illinois, I was at the SB Cal, the Southern Baptist Conference of Associational Leaders, and then I made my way to New Orleans, mm-hmm. yeah. and then we made our way to Texas.
1: Yeah, so I was from Jacksonville, Florida with the whole family, drove to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, my old stomping grounds, and went to Meridian, a little north of there. Spoken Association, Lauderdale Bible Association, John Maxey, shout out to what he's got going there. Great stuff going on. If you want to be a replant resident and get seminary credit for a semester and do real work in Meridian, Mississippi, hit us up. We'll point you to John Maxey. From there, I got to go back to Hattiesburg to my alma mater, the college that I went to, William Carey. It was William Carey College when I attended, and they've grown up, and it's now William Carey University. Okay. And so I got to guest lecture in a handful of classes there and see some professors. Some professors were my professors when I was a student there. Some of the professors now, Bob, I was like their college pastor when I was in Hattiesburg. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun just connecting with all that. So then, as a family, we made it to Picayune, dropped our kids off in Picayune. Then we get to New Orleans. We do the event. The event goes amazing. Am I a replanter? Yeah. A replanter. yeah. I mean, it was a really, really great event. And then we were like, all right, well, we'll grab lunch at the airport and yeah. head out, head out to-, to, yeah. to get to Dallas.
2: I think there was some foreshadowing, Jimbo, when I arrived in New Orleans because I was supposed to meet you at one of our favorite joints. New Orleans Food and Spirits. Yeah. And. And Yeah, it started going bad there, didn't it? it? I'm to blame. It's my fault. It's all my fault. So I showed up at the Hertz rental counter. Christmas is ruined. (laughs) It is ruined. And Jimbo, so I, I've rented enough Hertz cars over the past year that I am now in the president's circle. Right. So there's gold. Yeah. Then there's five star. Which is what I am. And then there's president circle. You've always been better right? than me. And I think there's probably one more above that, but I don't know what is it is. Is there really? I think so. Wow. I don't know what it is. But anyway, so I'm supposed to be able to bypass the line. So I it's late, we get in late, you know, we we rush over there. And Jimbo, it took me an hour and a half to get my bags. And to finally get to a car, and Jimbo, you know how long it took us to fly to New Orleans? Barely, barely an hour.
1: Yeah, like an hour. Yeah, yeah. It was a longer process to get your rental. Yes. Than to actually get into the air. Yep. Fly, which that science still doesn't make sense to me, <laughs> and somehow get there. Look, man, this is this is how it goes sometimes, Bob. Right. This is this is how life goes, and I think part of this is maybe the Lord reminding us of the difficulties of replanting because we are in different seats now, mm-hmm. and we're not in the full day-to-day grind that will grind you to a halt of replanting work and all the crazy things that go wrong when you're replanting a church. it's like the Lord Lord's like, hey, just hey, don't forget
2: chaos. Is inevitable. He just gave us a little dose, right? So, all right. So anyway, we we show up and because there's storms in the Midwest, we're all delayed. Like Barb is flying back to St. Louis. She's delayed. You and I are delayed. But even before then, Jimbo, I think our flight got canceled because we were supposed to go from New Orleans to Atlanta and it got canceled. And then they were going to route us through Detroit Rock City. And I don't think you were very happy about the reroute.
1: No, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, all right, look, if we're going to probably miss our flight in Detroit and then sleep in Detroit, I would rather sleep in New Orleans. It's my favorite city in the world. So if we slept in New Orleans, I could get dad dogs or something like that or more char grilled oysters or something like, you know, we would have had a good time. I could see some old friends. Yeah. But no, no, we had to fly to get from New Orleans to Dallas. We had to fly from New Orleans to Detroit. Yes. And and then so there's this tight, tight connection. Yeah. But it takes like forty minutes of boarding typically, thirty to forty minutes, right? And then and before the before the plane takes off. And so we land. And I run faster than I have run <laughs> in years. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoofing it. And they, they tell you to get to this point and you can take a train and I'm hoofing it and I'm I'm at the train and then it says it's gonna be like four minutes till the train gets there. I was like, I can't I can't wait four minutes.
2: We don't have four minutes to spare.
1: We don't have four minutes to spare. So we hoof it. And I get there in time to get on the plane, but there's no gate agent. And then when he finally comes out the door, like I, I'm like, as, as large a man as I am, There's no, I'm sure I looked <laughs> like I just ran across an airport. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm heaving. I'm almost dry heaving. And the guy comes out and I go, hey, can, can I get on the plane? And he goes... No. (laughs) Not, I'm so sorry. Not just,
2: no. Well, we told them, we told our agents that we were uh, on the way, and so they knew we were detained. Yeah. And they should have waited on us. Yeah. But they didn't. This is
1: life, man. This is how it is. And then from (laughs) there, we finally, so they're all, you know, we're not going to tell you the whole story, but listen, it ends... I definitely did not think the story was going to end with me sleeping in Detroit. <laughs> I was not happy about it. And so then we were like, "All right, let's just get on the shuttle. Let's just get to the hotel and let's take a nap because essentially we had time for a nap, pretty much." So we call for the shuttle. Forty-five minutes later, after three other phone calls, no shuttle. And so some other lady took pity on us and 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 like maybe lost her job because <laughs> she drove us to the to the hotel and I finally got sleep in a hotel room that smelled like cigarettes and the air conditioner sounded like it was dying.
2: Man, I had a, I think my room was newly constructed, but my air conditioner was no better. Yeah. So maybe they don't need ACs up in Detroit, rock city. I'm not sure.
1: Man, when you hear this story, you may be thinking, why, why am I still listening to this
2: podcast?
1: (laughs) 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 Or hopefully, hopefully that's not what you're thinking. Hopefully that that's not exactly what comes to your mind. But You're also.
2: thinking, where is the nugget of truth? <laughs>
1: but isn't this what ministry is like sometimes? Yes. I mean, it's, have you, Bob? You ever had those days or weeks or months in ministry?
2: Years, Jimbo. <laughs> where, years,
1: where it's like everything. It just seems like everything goes wrong.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you throw your hands up and go. Well, of course, now yeah, this course. just makes complete sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense now that 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 would happen. Of course, everything would fall apart right now. <laughs> yeah, know. of course, I would split my pants in the pulpit. Right <laughs> now, look, you you've got you you have a Bible passage. when we should probably get to the Bible pretty quick. Let's at this do point. it.
2: We've just got to resurrect or save <laughs> this thing or something. <laughs> you have a passage to to encourage us. I do Second Corinthians. So I give a talk at MI Replanter event that talks about counting the cost and replanting and here's the reality Jimbo I think a lot of us get into ministry and we think I am here I've answered the Lord's call they have voted on me and a high percentage of folks have have believed that the Lord is calling me to pastor them so they're welcoming me to be their pastor it will all go well Right. That's what. That's what. Yeah. We think. Yeah. And then we change the bulletin, and we almost get fired.
1: Yeah, no, I love the way you always <laughs> word that. When I've heard you say it before, you'll say, "You know, every brand new pastor thinks he's going to change the world, yeah. and then he changes the bulletin, and he almost gets fired." I know,
2: and this is literally true for me. But so I, you know, I was in the midst of a great struggle uh, as a replanter, and Second Corinthians one was a passage that really really was so helpful to me. And in particular, I won't go all through it, but verse 10 in chapter one of second Corinthians talks about the work of the Lord in difficult times. And I I think just three simple thoughts about this one, Paul says, let me read the whole verse and then let's go back and and we'll pick up the the three sections. So he says this, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him. We have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So Mm three important things there about Paul writing about his time in Ephesus where he felt like he'd received the sentence of death where he felt like he couldn't take one more thing that it was just if anything else happened he was just going to it was going to be over right that's yeah. what he was facing yeah. so Paul says this he delivered us from such a deadly peril so he's he has perspective on what happened in his life how God worked in the past he delivered him from one of the most significant struggles that he'd ever faced where he thought it was the end. So when we sit down and have perspective, we can look back to the point of our salvation, Jimbo. And this is, I think we often overlook this. If God can save me from my sins, there's nothing that he can't save me from. Yeah. Right. So this reminds me of, there's a a pastor I I served with uh, and he was from Texas And uh, he called everybody Bud, right? I mean, just Bud. bud. You're Bud. And so he would say this. When I would be, you know, I was a young 30-something kind of associate with him in the church. This is the church that I sang Butterfly Kisses in on Sunday. So I was his associate, and I did worship and some other things. And I'd be twisted out about something, Jimbo. I'd be concerned about this or that. And he'd go, Bud, let me tell you something. If Jesus can take care of your salvation, there ain't nothing he can't take care of. Mm -hmm. He'd just say that, right? Yeah. You know what that made me feel? Angry. It's <laughs> just like, man, come on. I want to be fired up about this and I want to be upset about it. And we got to address this. And most guys in their 30s yeah. are like that. So, so he would just say that and it would just remind me, Jimbo, that if I will just think about what Jesus has done for me, yeah. he's delivered me from the most significant sentence that's ever been pronounced on my life. And that yeah. was sin and my deadness in sin. Yeah.
1: And it's so encouraging to think about the fact that when it seems like everything has gone wrong, Jesus is never surprised. Mm-hmm. Right? He's, never, he's never like we are, sitting back, wringing his head, go, wringing his hands, wringing his head, pulling his hair out, going, what, what do I do? I don't know what to do right now. Everything seems to be going. He he's never has that moment. Mm-hmm. And he's interceding for us, and he loves us. And he cares for us. And he's already defeated. Like you said, the, the greatest obstacle we will ever have is our sin. And so that I love that concept because it, it makes it makes those things that felt so big, it, you see how small they really yeah, are. Yeah, it puts
2: them in proper perspective. Yeah. Right? So he, he delivered us from a deadly peril, right? So yeah. Then then Paul moves from the past and he talks about the present. And he says this, he will deliver us. Yeah. Right. So as he's writing this Jimbo, he's, he's still enduring something. We're not sure what it is. He doesn't specifically say in this passage, he talks about his perspective on the past. Here's what yeah. happened to me in the past. I was in a great struggle in Ephesus and I thought I was going to die. And it was, uh, uh, the shadow of death, you know, it wasn't the real thing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So he's really struggling and, and all that, but he said, he delivered me from that. And then whatever he's going through now, it might not be as significant, but he says he will deliver us. And mm. so there's this present idea and hope that carries him in his present struggle and his present pain. And so one of the things I would just say to the, the boot camper out there, the replanter, the pastor, the renewal pastor, your struggle right now, the one you are enduring right now, mm. God will see you through it. Yeah. He'll see you through it. Now, deliverance doesn't always look like how we want it to look. No. Right? But And that's hard. Yeah, it is hard. And, and I think we need to acknowledge that's...
1: That's hard. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't go the way you want it to go, mm-hmm. and it and it and it goes in a really painful way.
2: Right. And in, and it's just some. It's part of it, right? If if God operated how we wanted Him to operate, He wouldn't be God, and we would be, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like it's God's going to do what God's going to do, and God usually does something different than what we expect. Right? Yeah. And when He does. When, when our desires line up with God's and God blesses, it's, it's really something great. But I would just say to the person who's really struggling right now, just be confident this, that the Lord delivered you in the past. He will deliver you from whatever you're facing yeah. right now. And then he moves to the future. And I think this is really important for us to, to have this future perspective. It says this, on him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Mm. Right? So we got past, present, and then Paul points to the future. Here's the deal. If you are not currently in a season of struggle or experiencing hardships, just wait. Yeah. It's going to come around. But let your past, your past past, your, your historic past, let your recent past and the Lord's work in those things and bringing you through those things and delivering you from those. Let those two things inform your certain future that you will face something that will be challenging to you and difficulty, but the Lord will deliver you. And Paul says, we set our hope on Him that he will deliver us again. And our hope is not that after a couple of years into the replan or the renewal effort, that that everything will be great and we won't experience problems, right? If that's your hope, that's a false hope. That ain't gonna yeah. happen, right? Because you're gonna experience struggle. Yeah. If you're hoping for next week that it's going to be better or next year even that it's gonna be better, man, that's that's kind of a false hope. That's There's no guarantee. Yeah. But if you set your hope on Christ, what you're gonna understand is that whatever you face, he will deliver you. And I think that most of us hope in a better week, a better year, a better season, a better choice for our church with this decision, et cetera. And so instead of placing our hope in Jesus, we place our hope in a lot of things that really disappoint us.
1: Well, and here's the, you know, when you when you put your hope in your circumstances, you, you have to remember we live in a world where all of creation has been subjected to futility, as sure. it tells us in Romans 8. And so... Part of that is this side of glory you will never find perfect of anything right you'll never find the perfect circumstance you'll never have enough money you'll never accomplish that next goal and it be enough you'll never reach the summit you'll never get this is where you know, God has put eternity in our hearts, there's always this like, yeah, but it could be just a little bit better. It could Mm -hmm. be, and and the thing is, we don't even realize how much better it could be that, I mean, the best that this world has to offer pales in comparison to, you know, sometimes when people will ask you, you know, you get a seminary degree, family members will be like, oh, what's heaven, you know, they'll have all these theological questions for you. Yeah, you know, what is heaven going to be like exactly? I'm always like, I don't know. I like, I, have, I really don't know what it's going to be like exactly. I just know it's going to be way better than here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's I, I, don't know exactly how everything plays out. Uh, I, except for the fact that it's way better than here, because we're not fighting against the sinfulness of our own hearts, and the sinfulness of this world all the time anymore. And we get the unfiltered, just full presence of God. And so that idea of he will deliver us, yes, part of that sometimes is like the eternal deliverance. Sure. I mean, sometimes that's the only deliverance that's going to be available with cancer sometimes or things like that. And that's hard, but we have to keep a kingdom mindset of, hey, this is temporary. And I have a role here while I'm here and I get to honor the Lord. I could find my contentment in Him because this is not my home. Mm-hmm. And He does have a future hope for me. And He's going to get me out of what I'm going through right now. I will never find my peace in my circumstances. But I can always, regardless of my circumstances, find my peace in Him. For me, one of my passages was Philippians 4. And, and not just that I can do all things in Christ, but the, the context of the... Particularly, I loved the phrase, I have found the secret to being content in all circumstances, mm-hmm. right? And it's whether things are going well or going bad or you're sleeping in Detroit, like... Or <laughs> waiting on a shuttle. Or waiting on a shuttle. Our strength is in Christ. And so boot camper, maybe you're going through a really hard season and it's so hard that our travel woes sound like nothing. I and mean, the Lord will deliver you. He has delivered you before and he will deliver you.
2: Mm-hmm. And I would add simply this, that your suffering is the course that the Lord is taking you through in order for you to know that truth. Yeah, absolutely. There's no other way. And so don't despise suffering. No, embrace it for what it is, as a work of the Lord to sanctify you and to redeem you. And that's what Paul says about suffering in second Corinthians one. Why did this happen? Just because that's all, that's the big question. Why? And Paul yeah. says this happened so that we would not depend upon ourselves, Yep. but on him. Because he raises the,
1: Yeah, one of those things I think I'm so grateful that we talk about on this podcast. So we've talked about it other times of it is often in the hardest seasons of ministry that the Lord is doing the greatest work on your mm-hmm. soul. Mm-hmm. I know that to be true for me. I think I knew it theoretically, but I know it experientially. I, mean, I, can, t- I can tell you those seasons where it's like the Lord used that as that refining fire to, to burn out idolatry in my heart where i was depending on me where i i wanted to be the savior i wanted to be the one that fixed it i wanted to be the one that rescued the church and it was in that suffering when i realized i can't do this i mean i i am not smart enough i am not strong enough i do not have enough perseverance i do not have enough ability i can't seem to get things right i keep making people mad i keep making wrong decisions and I, I mean, it was, it's like I had, I could have just let all that go. I mean, I could have certainly, I guess, theoretically, just laid that at the Lord's feet at any point and then, you know, let him just lead everything. I wasn't spiritual enough already and I, I, I needed to go through, I mean, I've had to go through a lot of those seasons, I think, Bob, where, where the Lord's had to really just chisel some stuff out of me. And I legitimately am so grateful for that. Yeah. I look back. And I have so much joy knowing how much more I feel like I know who Jesus is and how much more peace I have. And and just overall, because of my understanding of my role and his role, and that he's the guy and I'm just here to serve in whatever way God has for me to serve. And I don't have to be the Savior. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I don't have to be the guy who worked harder than everybody else. Right. I don't have. I don't. I'm not going to earn any of my worth and value in any of those things. My identity truly is more and more. I'm realizing it really is. I'm, I am an adopted, redeemed, loved son of God that doesn't deserve it. I love the the song that isaac woodward led at AMI i replanter conference you know that was the i can't remember the words exactly but the something about our worth and our unworthiness like mm-hmm. these two things that we declare like we one is that we have so much worth because we are gods but also we are unworthy because we are sinful but he has overcome that and because he's overcome that we can have hope no matter what our circumstances are
2: Yeah, i just say if you're a boot camper out there and it's been hard and uh, you need a place to connect or to chat, man, connect with us, drop us a line, send us a voicemail. We'd love to be able to point you to some encouraging people and resources that can help you get through. And just remember that God is going to deliver you from this. It's not forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast,
0: a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-M-E-E dot church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.